0: Hello, and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks again for joining us for our next lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. In today's lesson, we're gonna be looking at walk worthy part two, in the first part of Ephesians chapter four. In this lesson, we're gonna see how we, as a body of Christ, if we want to be unified, and if we want to walk worthy, should be patient. Generally patient, and specifically patient towards other people, or tolerate others in love. Well, thanks again for joining us for this lesson in True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoy this one. Ephesians chapter 4, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you guys remember, last week we did Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and we talked about walking worthy. Uh, And we looked at, does anybody remember what we looked at, what character qualities or what things that we looked at from last week? I know you weren't here, but that's okay. Anybody remember, uh, what, some, what were the things we talked about last week? Molly. Uh, humility and gentleness. Humility and gentleness, alright, good job. Uh, so this week we're going to look at the other two things that Paul talks about here, uh, about walking worthy and building unity um, in the body. And they're very similar, uh, just like they were last week, so we'll look at that. Um, so let's read it, it's Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read those three verses again, uh, and then we'll dig into it. It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. Dear God, we just come before you, and we thank you for the say you've given to us. Thank you for all that you've done for us, God, and... Um, just pray that this morning you speak through me and be your words and not mine. And I just pray that as we look at this, um, we would learn uh, or, or know or practice um, patience, God, and just being patient um, to others for the sake of unity and for the sake of walking more God. We pray all these things uh, through Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so last week, uh, like Molly said, we talked about humility and gentleness. And we looked at those words and they're very similar words, but they're both like anti-pride characteristics right so humility obviously is the opposite of pride and gentleness as we looked at last week was as well and this week we have two more okay we have two more in verse two that we're going to look at and both of them are very 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 similar okay there are patience so it says with all humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another in love so it's patience and tolerance uh, and we'll look at those two so when talking about uh, when talking about this i have a little fable okay uh, that I found that I wanted to read to you guys. It's about patience, okay? okay so this is called, uh, it's called The King and the Pawn. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, I don't know how popular it is. I don't think it's a super popular fable, but it's an old fable. So as fables goes, I guess it's all right. All right it says, once a king had announced that anyone who wanted to post the post of personal assistance must meet with him. Many people gathered at the palace to meet him, and the king led them to a pond. And he said, the king said, whoever will fill this pond's water in this pot will be chosen uh, for the post, but remember there's a hole in the pot. So the king basically takes all these people from the palace, they're all like, we want this post because it's a good post, it pays a lot and all that good stuff, and he takes them out to a pond and he says, you need to, you know, you need to fill this, you know, take this pot and fill it up, and as soon as this pot is full of water, you'll get the post. Well, there's a hole in the pot though, okay? so. The It's going to be kind of hard to fill a pot. Okay, so some people without a single try left, uh, while other people tried once or twice and then said the king's already chosen somebody else, let's just go. But one man kept filling the pot uh, with the pond water patiently. He filled and filled and filled the pot with the pond water, and the pond water just came out on the ground every time he filled the pot uh, within a few moments every single time. So the water poured out on the ground completely, and he tried this an uncountable number of times, and at last the pond became empty. So he keeps filling it until the pond's all the way empty. And at the bottom of the pond, the man found a diamond ring in the empty pond, and then he goes and he gives it to the king. And the king said, this is the ring, is the reward for your patience and hard work. You are fit for the job. The ring was the signet ring that he got for the job, meaning that he got the job. And so the man confirmed that patience pays. Today we're gonna be talking about patience That Fable. Um, The reason I share it with you is because that guy was patiently doing something. And Paul says that we need to be patient if we want to walk worthy of the calling, and if we want to have unity in the church. That's what he says. And there's two kinds of patience that he talks about. We're going to talk about general patience and specific patience. Okay, both, both these words, uh, which we'll, we'll look at in just a second, but both these words are actually used by Paul in Romans 2.4 to talk about God. Okay, in, 2, 4, in Romans 2.4, Paul says, Or do you presume on the riches of the kindness and the forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repent. So Paul there actually uses the same two words that we're going to talk about today to talk about how God is towards us. So he's calling us to walk worthy and basically be act like God acts. Okay, Obviously, he's not calling us to be God, but he, he says God is forbearant uh, and patient, and you need to be those two things too here in Ephesians, is what he says. So the first thing we're going to look at is general patience, and that's the first one on you guys' is. Little sheet if you want to, if you're writing stuff down, if you're a note taker. So, general patience is what we're going to look at. Um, And we're going to look at a couple of extremes for this. Okay, this is the first one when he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Okay, that word patience right there um, means exactly what you you think it means. It means to be patient. It's also used as being forbearing or having forbearance. Uh, long-suffering, things like that. Those are that's some words that are used in the Scripture for it. But it's just to be patient. And really, when you look at it, there's two extremes to it. Okay, um, These are the extremes that we look at. Last week, we looked at extremes of humility. This week, we're looking at of patience. So this first word, uh, if you look on the far right there, uh, to be patient is being willing to wait when you're called to wait. Okay, So being patient is being willing to wait when you're called to wait. Okay, um, My brother... Okay, last week I talked about Garrett a little bit and how he was the annoying child in the family. Uh, so this week I thought I'd, I'd tell you something good about him. Okay, he, uh, he is very patient in, in several areas, but one area is in deer hunting. Okay, so he has a ton of deer hunting stories because he has a lot of sweet and awesome big white tail bucks and he stuffs them and all this stuff. But uh, there was one time uh, when I re- really remember his patience. Okay, so he goes out and he goes hunting and it's around Thanksgiving so all of us are out at our farm. And he's sitting in the deer stand. Just a little background about him. He'll, to deer hunt, he'll put out food, put out cameras, do all this stuff for months and months and months in advance. He'll track his bucks on cameras to know which one he wants, which one he doesn't want, and things like that, okay? So he's very um, patient in the preseason, if you will, of hunting, right? So he gets to the point where he's actually bow hunting now, because it's in November and he's waiting on a certain buck. He's already probably killed two or three doves, And he's waiting for this buck to come and he waits and he waits and finally, um, as he's in the tree stand for hours and hours, a buck comes and he shoots it with his bow. Okay? And if you guys know anything about hunting, especially with bows, that doesn't mean the deer just falls dead, right? They usually run off a little bit. So what you do when you're hunting is you wait your tree stand for 30 minutes. And then you get down and you go somewhere else and you wait for a couple of hours and you wait for that deer to die. Because if you get up and go search for it, it'll spook that deer and he'll run even further. And he'll just keep running, keep running. He'll be really hard to find. And so my, my, that's what my brother did. He got down after 30 minutes. He went home and we, we were all really excited with him because he got this sweet buck um, that he's been tracking and he's been wanting forever. And then we all go out to look for it and we can't find it. And we can't find this buck. And so all of us start looking, and we look and we look and we search for this buck and we can't find it. Uh, it's been a couple hours now. And so, of course, me being the great brother that I am, decide I'm going to leave because it's been a couple hours. And, you know, I've done my duty as a brother. So I leave, the rest, everybody else pretty much leaves, but my brother and my dad keep on searching for that buck. And they search and they look and they find little tiny blood spots every once in a while, but really the blood trail just peters out and runs out. And they keep searching and they start body hunting. Which means there's no blood trail. They're just searching the woods for them and searching the long grass for them, which is really hard. And they keep doing that. And at the end of the day, okay, what do you think happens? They find the deer. They don't find the deer. Okay, that's what you'd expect, right? They find the deer. And there's a ton of stories like that for my brother. They didn't, they didn't find the deer, but he patiently searched for that deer and patiently patiently searched for that deer. Now in this case, he gets up the next morning and searches more and after about 24 hours of searching he finds this buck. So the, the patience did pay off in that case and there's a lot of times it didn't for him. Okay, But he's very patient in doing what he was doing. Patient in the start of deer hunting, just to be putting stuff out, be on those cameras looking at him. Patient while waiting in the stand for 15, 16 hours at a time and then patient when searching for that buck. So that's what patience is, being willing to wait when you're called to wait. Now. The two extremes to that, one is being restless, we know what that is, right? It's not willing to wait, okay? That's what I am when I'm deer hunting, okay? My motto is if it's brown, it's down, and if you can't find it in an hour, then you're probably never going to find it, okay? That's more me, and I'm not very patient, I'm restless when it comes to um, stuff like that. Uh, stagnant is the other extreme, okay? If we're stagnant, that means we're not willing to move when we're called to move, okay? That means we're not willing to move when we're called to move. That, so. There's times in our life when um, we know we're called to patience, okay? Paul says, hey, be patient, but there's times we use that patience as an excuse to not do something. So, for example, if you're going, like, if you're, like, all you guys are going to go to college soon, well, maybe, some of you guys might go to college, some of you might not, Uh, but... You could use the excuse of I don't know what college to go to to not go to college when you know you should go to college. Or you could um, use other excuses to not do things like you could say, well, I don't know whether or not I should go work out today or whether I should go run. I mean, both are working out, but lift or run, I don't know which one. I'm I'm just not going to do either one. Okay? And so you're, you're not willing to move at all. You can be patient. You can wait for things. But at some point, you still have to, you have to be willing to move. So those are the two extremes with it. Okay? Now when we're talking about this word patience in verse 2, okay, with all patience, this is what J.B. says about it. He says this kind of patience is connected with trusting God. Okay? And this is why I call it a general patience here. Because he's just saying to these people, they just need to be patient in general. And sometimes we have to wait on God, right? James 5 says we have to wait when we're in trials. Okay? Hebrews uh, talks about being patient for rewards, like even in Hebrews 11 and stuff like that. And Habakkuk actually talks a lot about God's timing and being patient towards God uh, and circumstances. Uh, we taught on Habakkuk a while ago, but this is Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Um, before I read this, though, a little background from Habakkuk. Okay, Habakkuk is this guy, and he, he and these righteous people around him They're all surrounded by wickedness and evil, okay? And they're surrounded by other Israelites and Jews who are wicked and evil. And they're doing terrible things. And so Habakkuk comes to God and he says for everybody, for this group of people, he says, God, why are we surrounded by wickedness? This doesn't seem right. Like you're supposed to reward good and you're supposed to destroy and give justice to wickedness. So why aren't you doing that? Um, and he comes with the, the right heart attitude, I think, in, in chapter 1. In chapter 1, God says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to bring the Babylonians, and they're going to come, and they're going to destroy <laughs> your people. And so then Habakkuk's like, well, that's a lot of good that does us, God. Like, that's even more wicked people coming to destroy wicked people. What's good? What good is that? And so he has all these questions, and he doesn't understand what God's doing, and he doesn't understand God's timing. He's waiting on God. Um, and the Lord said and this is Habakkuk 2, 2-3 after uh, Habakkuk comes to him again and says hey God I don't understand this God answers him and says write down the vision make it plain on the tablet so he who, or he who will run who reads it for still in the vision awaits the appointed time it hastens to the end, it will not lie if it seems slow, wait for it it will surely come, it will not delay so God right there is saying to Habakkuk he's saying hey I know that you think that this should have already happened. Okay? I know that you think this should have already happened. I know you think these people should have already been judged. But you need to wait. Because it will come at the appointed time. In my timing, not in your timing. Okay? And this is a specific reply to Habakkuk saying, why are the Babylonians going to come in and destroy us when they're wicked too? Shouldn't you judge them? And he says, well, I will judge them. Don't worry, it's coming. Everything comes in my timing, not in your timing. And the reason I share that is because we need to have patience, okay? Because we don't always understand God's timing and God's will. And that's why JV says this word patience goes along with trusting God. Because when we're trusting God, we're willing to wait on what He's doing, we're willing to be patient with Him and what He's doing in His timing. If you think about people in the Bible that had this kind of patience, okay, some of the, well, two of the top guys I think of are uh, Moses and David. Okay, David, he was anointed. We've already been learning about this if you've been in 1 in, uh, Samuel with us, okay, with JB. But he was anointed as king when he was, what, 15? So he had to wait 15 years before he actually got it. And what did he do for that time? Part of it, he was literally just a shepherd. And he just had to be a shepherd day in and day out and be patient with God. And part of it, he was running from Saul. Okay, and it didn't look like he was going to get to become king. But he's running from Saul. And that whole time he was being patient, waiting on God's timing, not his own. And if you remember, he had the opportunity to kill Saul several times. And he didn't. He said, No, God's timing, not mine. God's timing, not mine. That's being patient with your circumstances and with God. Moses, same thing. Okay, Moses, I don't know if you guys know this, but the more I study it and look at it, Moses Moses knew he was supposed to lead the people of Egypt out, or the people of Israel out of Egypt. Okay? Um, In Hebrews, it says his parents, when he was born, they knew he was a beautiful, okay, or special child, okay, it's talking about they knew that he was he was the one. He's the one that's supposed to lead them out of Egypt. Okay, so that's why when he grows up in the king's palace, and then he comes out, and he starts uh, talking smack to the Egyptians, and he kills that guy, he's thinking he's going to lead them out. Like, he comes out, and he kills this Egyptian, and he tries to um, rule isn't the right word, but not really rule over the Israelites, but kind of start to try and take charge of the Jews that were in Egypt and he kills that Egyptian he thinks hey they're gonna follow me out now okay but they don't and they all get mad at him and then he has to run away okay he was trying to take the people of Egypt out in his timing okay then he has to run away and he is in the land of Midian for how long 40 40 years he has to wait 40 more years before God's timing comes and God comes to him and says hey it's time and then he's not ready. <laughs> but uh, he, he had to have patience as well because it's God's timing, not our timing. Okay, in order to have unity in the body, we have to have patience. Okay, We have to be patient. Okay? Some of the things that we have to be patient for, guys, um, just in general, are things like Jesus' return, right? We have to be patient for that. The thousand-year reign, we have to be patient for that. Uh, rewards. We have to be patient to be rewarded, right? A lot of times, not always. Judgment of wicked. Okay, that's what Habakkuk was dealing with. We have to be patient for judgment of wicked. That's what David was dealing with too. Uh, Sometimes just blessings, we have to be patient with that. So these general things, we have to be generally patient towards. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Okay, with patience. And then he says, showing tolerance for one another in love. Okay? And we'll talk about it in a second. Both these things, all four of these things, are so that we can be diligent to preserve unity in the body. If we don't have patience, we're not going to have unity. But the second thing there is tolerance. Okay, Showing tolerance for one another in love. You could also call it specific patience. Okay, I I listed it as specific patience. Because general patience is having patience or trusting uh, God, trusting God's timing, being patient in trials and circumstances. This is a specific uh, patience or tolerance for a person. Okay, we know that because that's what Paul says, right? He says, showing tolerance for one another in love. Okay, love is patient. So what are the extremes of this? What, is the, what are the extremes of tolerance? Well, tolerance first on the far right, it's allowing love to cover offenses. Okay, so the other one we were talking about, it's like waiting, waiting, waiting on God. This is waiting too. Um, but really, it's more of a allowing love to cover somebody's offense in that way. So it's being patient towards someone. So if Gatlin does something to me that I don't like or whatever that annoys me or sins against me, tolerance towards one another in love would allow love to cover that offense. So that way, you know, I'm not fighting with him or I'm not uh, getting angry with him or doing the other extreme. Okay, the other extreme would be sinful anger. This is wrath towards someone who has wronged you or done something that you don't like. So that would be me getting mad at Gatlin because of what he did, and getting angry with him, and using words I shouldn't use towards him, or uh, yelling at him, or whatever, things like that. That would be what sinful anger would be. We know that there's non-sinful anger, right? That Jesus used anger against sin, and things like that, Uh, but as James says, usually when we have anger, it's the anger of man, so we should be slow to anger, Um, and this usually anger the opposite of tolerance, sorry, is sinful anger. It's not righteous anger. And then the other one, the other extreme, like if you have too much tolerance of somebody, would be acceptance of sin, which is not willing to call out or deal with sins. Okay? It's not willing to call out. It's non-confrontational. You're not willing to de- deal with sin when it's biblically necessary to deal with sin. Okay? So the Bible does call us to deal with sin at certain points. Okay? Um, we are supposed to let love cover offense, and there's a huge balance here. Okay, there's a huge balance here. When, at some point, Galen's been living in sin, and at some point, I'm going to come to him as a friend and be like, Galen, what are you doing? In a loving, gentle, humility, or humble way, I'm going to come to him and say, Hey, you know, this isn't right, you know. And, and you, know, you go from there. Okay, biblically, but tolerance would be to where I don't want to do that. Okay, because I'm just going to tolerate him. I'm just going to tolerate him, and I'm going to tolerate his sin. Okay, second uh, Corinth, first and second Corinthians. Uh, Paul talks about this guy that's in the church at Corinth, okay, and he is being really bad, okay. He does some really horrible, awful things, okay. And as he's doing these horrible, awful things, Paul says, You guys need to kick him out of the church because he's living in that sin. That's what Paul says. And there's only one church at Corinth, okay, so he can't go down the road to another church. So he says, You need to kick him out of the church, okay, and that is not accepting sin. That's non confrontational. They're willing to go in love and do that for his benefit. But then in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, and he says, hey, you guys need to let him back in. You're not letting him back in. He's asked for forgiveness, and you're not letting him back in. Um, so then that would be let love cover the offense. Okay, Let him back in. Okay, He's, he's asked for forgiveness. He's dealt with that sin. So those are the extremes. Um, this word, tolerance, here in, is what my uh, version says. But tolerance for one another in love. Uh, it's used several ways throughout the scriptures. It's to bear with, or to endure, to have patience with, to suffer, to admit, to persist. Uh, those are some words that it's used for. It's talking about with dealing with other dealing with one another in love. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient. Okay, love is patient. It's patient in general, it's patient specifically towards one another. Other people are gonna wrong, do wrong stuff to us, right? They're gonna hurt us, right? So. We have to let love cover sins. Offense. We have to tolerate them in love. This is First um, Peter four eight. It says, above all, keeping, uh, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Okay, so we can allow love to cover people's sins in our life. When somebody sins against you or somebody sins against me, we can tolerate that. We can let love cover that. So when your brother or sister um, does something that you don't like so if you can think of if you have a brother or sister, and you can think of them, and they do something that you don't like, which probably happens a lot, you can allow your love for that person, that brother or sister, to cover that. You don't have to react in sinful anger towards that. You don't have to react towards that in a wrong way. Instead, you can say, "Okay, I'm going to let love cover that one. I'm going to let love cover one. And it's okay that he did that to me. Okay, and and one of the." Uh, one of the best ways you can do this, I think, is, is this next verse. Okay. And Ephesians 432 it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you, or just as God in Christ also forgave you. Okay, so God forgave us, so we should forgive others. So when you're talking about letting love cover offense, a really, really, really good way to do that is to compare what God has forgiven you of with what you have to forgive that person of. So, if Gatlin, okay, i always using Gatlin as my example. Okay, so if Gatlin just comes up and smacks me in the face, and I'm like, I don't like being smacked in the face. Okay, I hate being smacked in the face. What's my knee-jerk reaction? Smack him back, or for most of us, do even worse, right? Like, punch him and then start kicking him, stuff like that, right? That's my knee-jerk reaction. But, I can say, you know what? I'm going to let love cover that because what I did to God is way worse than what Galen did to me. In fact, what Galen could ever do to me can not even compare with all the stuff that I do to God, all the sins that I do to God, all the sins that I do to Christ, and what did He do for me? He forgave me in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ can and He paid for all of our sins, right? Okay? So when we look at that and we keep our mind on that, it's a lot easier to tolerate one another in love or to overlook offenses to bear with one another, whatever um, um, you want to call that. Uh, it's a lot easier to be patient, specifically patient with other people. Okay, Now think about this. Does God bring up our past sins all the time to us and remind us of our wrongs and shame us because of our sins? No, I forgave us. Uh, Psalm, uh, I think, 103, as far as the east is from the west, He forgives our sins. He's paid for them. Okay, So why are we doing this to other people? Why are we not tolerating one another in love. Why are we not being patient specifically towards our brothers and sisters in love? Okay, now, we've looked at general patience, specific patience. And now we're going to look at verse 3, and really the next couple weeks is really we're going to be talking about verse 3 a lot more. It's kind of um, the theme, I guess, for the next couple weeks. It's unity. Okay, If you look at verse 3, it says, "...being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit of bond of peace." I'm going to go back and read verse 2, too, just so we get the full... It says, with all humility and gentleness, which we talked about last week, with patience, general patience, and then with showing tolerance for one another and love, specific patience, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, in verse 1, it says, walk worthy of your calling, of what you've been called. And in verse 3, it says, be diligent to preserve the unity. The way that you do that is worth verse 2. Being humble, being gentle, generally patient, and specifically patient towards one another. In order to walk worthy, we have to be unified. Remember, he's talking to the church here. And in verse 1, he says, walk worthy of your calling. What are you called to be? The church. Okay? Ambassadors, lights for Christ. If we're going to do that, we have to walk in unity. We we're supposed to preserve the unity here. Okay, and the only way we can do that is by being humble, gentle, patient, and tolerant towards one another. Okay. Um, as we're walking, uh, as we're walking worthy in unity I think we can do all these things and if we look at patience okay, let's look at patience generally first if you're not patient generally it disrupts unity Okay, and here's how if I'm not patient towards God trusting God in my circumstances what do I do um, what is my language like to other people anybody want to take a guess like if I'm not content, if I'm not content with my circumstances and what I'm doing, what's my language like to other people? Harsh. Harsh, for sure. It could be harsh. What else could it be? It's good. Complaining. Complaining. Yeah, that's a good one too. Okay, so whether it's harsh or complaining, or something else, it's usually not good. Okay? It's not going to be promoting unity. Okay, if it's harsh. And that's obviously not promoting unity. We talked about that last week. being harsh instead of gentle. Gentleness promotes unity, not harshness. Okay? If it's complaining, what is that causing everybody else to do? Think negatively. It's causing division. Let's say I complain um, because Brent is, I don't know, always talking to the people that I want to talk to at church. I don't know, I'm just making up dumb. Uh, things, okay, or something. So, like, let's say I have a bunch of friends, and Brent comes in, and he steals all my friends at church, okay, or something like that. Okay, and so I start complaining to people about Brent. I'm like, dude, Miles, you seen Brent? That Chatty Cathy? Man, he always takes my friends. Does he take your friends too? Yeah, and 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 then Miles is like, dude, Gallon, have you heard about Chatty Cathy? Who's Chatty Cathy? Oh, that's Brent. <laughs> oh, okay. So what is that? What is all that doing? that's causing division it's causing of the body to divide right it's because we don't have um, well that would be because we don't have tolerance towards one another or towards our circumstances that one could be both because it's specifically about Brent right but if we don't have general patience and in our circumstances same thing we start complaining hey Brent you know I just really hate the way our world is going right now it's horrible I hate it our world is terrible isn't it and suddenly, focus on these negative things, and it's going to divide. Okay, and then like the other example, okay, if we're <laughs> if we're complaining directly about a person, that's very divisive, right? Or if Galen slaps me, and I don't let love cover it, and we start a fight in the middle of church, that's obviously dividing, right? Okay, so these things divide, and Paul is saying, hey, we don't want to divide. Be diligent, okay, diligent. Which we could have done a whole lesson on diligence, okay, but be diligent. To preserve unity. Okay, diligence, that means you keep on going after it until it's completed. Okay, it's just like the example I always think of is from Character First a long time ago, but it's a beaver. Okay, and I didn't write this down, so I don't have a picture of a beaver or anything. Uh, But beavers, whenever they build their dams, okay, they build these giant dams, and they make ponds, right? Um, That's how a lot of ponds are made, because they build dams and creeks, and it makes a pond. Now, when it starts raining or flooding, those dams get holes in them. Okay, so how many of you guys remember the storm last night? Were any of you like, okay, it was a pretty bad storm. We were driving home and we had to like pull over. Um, so, when a storm like that comes, uh, the beaver's dams they start getting holes in them. Okay, because they're made with mud and sticks. Right, so it's not like concrete or anything. Not yet. You know, the beavers haven't got that smart yet. But one day, maybe. <laughs> okay, but it's made with sticks and mud, and all this water they start start getting holes in their dam. Okay, so throughout an entire storm, beavers are underwater fixing their dam in the storm. They're diligent to make sure their dam does not break. Because what happens when you start getting holes in your dam? It gets weaker and weaker and weaker and then it breaks. So they are diligent to make sure that that dam does not break. And Paul says you need to be diligent to preserve unity. You're like, Paul, how do I be diligent to preserve unity? Well, I just told you, be humble, be gentle, be patient, and be tolerant, or if you wanted to, you could say be humble, be humble, be patient, be patient, because that's almost what he does. In the Greek, it's a little different, but I mean, it. it in Greek, you could almost translate it in, in English, be humble, be humble, be, gen- uh, be patient, be patient, okay, humility and patience, okay, and if we have these things, we can be unified, so what's the impact? It's super simple, okay, but it's super hard to do. And it's to be patient towards one another. Okay, obviously, humbleness, gentleness, we talked about that last week. We want to do that. That's part of the application as well. Uh, but we really should be patient. That's what we should get out of this. For me, um, there are circumstances in my life right now where I am waiting on God to do stuff. Okay, And there's almost always that in your life. Uh, but there's circumstances in my life where I'm waiting on, waiting on God to do stuff. I don't know when He's going to do it or if He's going to do it. I just have to wait Um, and usually when you have to wait generally and like just generally on stuff on circumstances and on God usually there's people that you have to be patient with too okay and usually if you're in a circumstance you're like I just have to wait there's usually somebody behind that waiting or people behind that waiting that are causing you to have to wait okay look at David okay we're talking about him Again, in every Sunday. David was patiently waiting through his circumstances, right? He was waiting to be king. God promised him to be king, yeah? No? Yeah. God promised that he would be king. So he had to wait. Who was behind his waiting? Saul. Saul Saul was behind his waiting. Saul was making him wait. Okay? In his mind. You know, in his viewpoint, Saul's making him wait. Who was really making him wait? God. It wasn't, it wasn't timing. It wasn't time yet. And so God was making him wait. He could have got angry with Saul. And he could have said, Saul is the problem. And it really looks like Saul is the problem, right? And in some ways, Saul is the problem. But could have God taken care of Saul right away? Yeah, he could have. But he didn't. And so he waited. And he was patient towards Saul, and he was patient towards the circumstances. And that's what we should be with each other. Because we want unity in our youth group. We want unity in our, in our church. And if we don't, you know, church splits happen. And people look at our church, and they come into our church, and they say, this church is horrible. This youth group is horrible. They're all fighting. They're all divisive all the time. But when they come in, and they see unity, and they see Gatlin sin, and then they see somebody cover that sin, let love cover that sin, it's like, man, this... It's church. This is unified. This shows the body of Christ. This shows who Christ is. So that's what Paul wants us to do. That's walking worthy of the calling, um, and we can do that if we just if we just be patient. Okay, if we just be patient. All right, let's pray. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions. Regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.